Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. I am Blake Harrison. Joining me as ever is Stu Whiffin. And we've got, we've got a third man in, in the box, in the boxes on your screen. It's the wonderful Adam Cattrall. How are you doing, mate? I'm very well. Gentlemen, thank you so much for inviting me on. Uh, to this illustrious podcast. It's nice to be on a reputable uh, platform for once. Chatting my, <laughs> my normal nonsense elsewhere is, is no longer. I'm, I'm on with the big boys now. This is what I like to see. Love it. Lovely, love lovely. It. Well, yeah, we, we echo your statement wholeheartedly, <laughs> obviously. Um, Adam, I suppose where we want to get started with you is uh, like, how did you first get interested in combat sports as a fan? Like, just yeah. to purely as a fan, how did you go, oh, this, this is cool, I like this? Um, first love is boxing, if, I, if I'm truly honest. And my first memory uh, of combat sports is 1989, Mike Tyson, Frank Bruno. Uh, and if you're as old as me and remember that, the, that was the first uh, pay-per-view, first Sky box office show. We didn't have Sky. We didn't come from that posh part of Blackburn, sadly. So we didn't have Sky TV right at the start. But my uncle did. He thought he were a little bit of a player, you know what I mean? Thought he were a bit of a Del Boy. Mm-hmm. So um, my dad um, obviously was a big fan of uh, of boxing, big fan initially of Mike Tyson, but obviously we'd be in Frank Bruno wanted to watch that fight. So we ended up, my mum had gone out for a night and, uh, and my dad obviously up the kids, me and my sister, took them around to... Uh, my uncle's house, his brother's house, stuck us in bed upstairs at my uncle's house whilst he could sit down and pull an all-nighter with his brother, my uncle, and watch the uh, Tyson Bruno. Now, obviously, uh, being about nine years of age, nine years of age at the time, uh, sleeping in uh, an alien big bed, you know what I mean? In fact, it would have been difficult to sleep. So I ended up wandering downstairs throughout the course of the night and uh, sitting, he ended up sitting me on the couch whilst this was all going on uh, in, in the in the forefront whilst he's had a few beers and whatever and enjoying himself. But I just remember being captivated by the feel of Vegas initially. It wasn't necessarily the yeah. fighting. It was the feel of Vegas and, and a big fight night and just the American accent in commentary and, and just the pomp and ceremony of it all just felt major. Uh, and I suppose that is the first time that that my first memory of my, uh, of being captured by combat sport. And then this is going to sound a bit cheesy now, but then loosely it kind of went towards Rocky films before I came yeah, back no, I, in, yeah. in the mid nineties with Prince Nazim Ahmed. So I went off then. And again, it was again, the Hollywood feel to, to combat sports. It was the Vegas pomp and, and ceremony and obviously the, the underdog stories and all those types of things that gravitated to me towards towards fight sports and then in the mid 90s of course Prince Nazim Ahmed comes along and you're thinking who is this dude this is this guy's just off his cake man I love a bit of this uh, <laughs> and, that, and that was it and then from from Naz in the boxing scene that kind of led me on nicely to Ricky Atten being on the local circuit and following Ricky Atten and spending money on tickets and what have you and then from an MMA point of view I'm lucky that I grew up in the same town as Bispin so I've, I've always been around him and obviously I was a DJ in the local area. He was a DJ in the local area. Paths crossed. We had mutual friends that were doing uh, karate and kickboxing and various things like that. So then when he moved and, and attempted tough, when he went into the tough house, obviously loads of people in the local area going, you know, Bispin, who basically knocks people out outside the local pub. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. 
he's gone on this bloody ultimate fighter thing. What's that? I had no idea what it was. Oh, it's cage fighting. <laughs> right, great. Fantastic. Let's have a watch of him. But I was initially watching him in from a dynamic point of view of just mugging off all these American fighters. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. But then when he went and won it, then your interest in MMA starts to grow. And you're obviously, I'm following his journey, but because he's on such stellar cards, then the other fighters start to seep into my into my remit and you start to fall in love with Anderson Silva and then you start to actually have an appreciation for what the sport is and start to try and learn a bit yourself as as, as Bisping's doing his thing. Yeah, I kind of then went off then and started learning a little bit about it myself. I just want to jump in there because you, you, you mentioned uh, Hamid and uh, and obviously that that kind of tear got stopped by Barrera uh, in spectacular fashion and we saw, and you mentioned Ricky as well, and obviously we've just seen them fight. Um, what did you make of that? What, the Hatton Barrera? Yeah. Recently. See, I'm torn with all this. I, th- I think there's a, I think there's good bits of exhibitions and I think there's absolutely horrific bits that should just be wazzed in the bin and, and, and forgotten forever. I think Hatton Barrera, first and foremost, is probably one of the good bits because from a mental health point of view, Ricky's obviously been very vocal about his situation, about losing something once once he has retired losing that adoration he was a well-loved fighter and and those walkouts and what have you and and the and the pump the adrenaline pump that he gets from those he's missed them so therefore obviously he turned down a dark path he went into drinking drugs as he's as he's spoken about so to give a fighter who knows what he's doing an opportunity to feel that again against somebody else who knows what they're doing another veteran and give fans maybe the opportunity to have a little bit of a trip down memory lane and have a bit of a nostalgic night out. And also new fans who have heard the stories of Ricky Atten and gone experience it in themselves. I think there is a market for it. As long as it's marketed right and people are told, listen, it's an exhibition. Nobody's getting knocked out. We're just having a little bit of a dance. We're going to all have a few beers. Ricky's going to come out on the piss with us later on. It's going to be great, man. Come and have a watch of him for eight rounds. We'll all have a laugh. Great. It's not a fight. It's an exhibition. Come and watch a legend. It's like a stand-up routine. You know what I mean? Yeah. From back in the day, or an after. Di- it's a different type of after-dinner speech. Is what is basically what it is. Yeah. yeah. But I think on the same weekend we saw Mayweather and Deji. Didn't we have a, have a go in 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 Dubai? Yeah. And I'm I, I really don't like that side of stuff. I mean, first and foremost, the blurring of the lines of legendary boxer into the realm of obviously playing on somebody's audience from from the world of YouTube. <coughs> the way that that is marketed, the audience can become confusing because there's kids out there now genuinely, right? I, I went I went to one of these um, Misfits events. That's what they're called. These, the, 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 uh, the promoters are called Misfit or something. And it was a KSI event. And I remember going to one of these things and I, I was purely curiosity. just wanted to see what the crack was. And it was all YouTubers. There was no legends in there. I think it was just purely YouTubers. And I thought, this is all right. You know what I mean? It's a bit of white collar boxing. Everybody's a bit of laughing. They're all making a few quid. Great stuff. As long as everybody, you know, it's, it's well marshaled and they're kept safe. And therefore, yeah. I don't want to see anybody mauled out. If someone gets stung, wave it off. Sweet. I, I, like you would do in a, in a white collar. And I'm, I'm watching this. I'm thinking, this is all good. But some of the conversations that the kids were having, and they are kids, the demographic of audience that are going to this, are like 14, 15, 16-year-old lads, they're all going, do you reckon KSI could do Canelo? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking around going, are these, lads having a, are these lads having a serious conversation here? Like going, they've, it's, it's morphed. And I think it's the message that has been portrayed to these people, like Jake Paul thinking, yeah, three years, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, you know, like heavyweight champion of the world. No, pal, you're absolutely not. Um, so I think from a Hatton, Barrera, nostalgic, Legends League, everybody knows what the crack is, well-marketed situation. I think there's a, I think there's a thing for it, but I'm not into all the crossover yeah. um, fight stuff, mate. I just think it's it just becomes messy, and especially when Floyd Mayweather, one of the greatest ever, is stopping a kid off YouTube. You know what I mean? Come on, Floyd, play the game, son. Just let the kid take yeah. off on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dance around the ring for eight rounds. It, it just It's just not a good look because if, let's say, someone does get hurt, it's boxing that gets thrown through the mud, even though it's not proper boxing, it's boxing that yeah. gets thrown through the mud. Yeah. I, mean, I want to go back to something you were saying in your previous answer about, about your, your dad and your uncle. Mm. If they've been combat sports fans for a while, are you the golden boy now? Are you the the golden child of the family? Are they like, Adam's coming to dinner tonight? He's got all the stories about combat sport. 
Come no. on, come on in, golden child. What's, no. what's going on? No, not at all, mate. No, to, be, to be fair though, my dad, my dad's a stealth watcher and observer of everything that I do. They don't talk to me about any of the things that I get up to, but like, um, my, my, for example, my dad's um, profile picture on uh, on his WhatsApp is me and Conor McGregor, <laughs> <laughs> which I find highly amusing, and like, yeah. he'll um, he'll. I, I, he only follows a few people on various bits of social media that he is on. So therefore, and I see him popping up like always on interviews that I've done um, for for BT and, and various things like that. He's he's got into MMA really through me and through me yeah. doing it. He's he's elements more boxing, but he 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 did enjoy the rise of Conor McGregor and over two what were it 2016 when Conor had that wonderful wonderful year. He was yeah. buzzing, man. He was thinking, who's this mad little dude? <laughs> he was absolutely mm-hmm. all over it. Because I think that's the beauty of fight sports for, listen, I don't want to say my dad's a casual fan because he does like his boxing, but from an MMA point of view, probably more so. Yeah. Personality grabs people. You know what I mean? That That's what grabbed me in the 90s. Yeah. Nazim Ahmed, personality first. He was like, God, who's this mouthy get? You know what I mean? Saying all these things that he's doing and then going in the ring and knocking these dudes out. That's, that's, that is, for me, elite. Fight sports in leopard print that. shorts. Yeah, man. <laughs> I love all that. Absolutely. And I suppose in 20, in 2015, 2016, Connor was that for, yeah. for yeah. a lot of people. Sure. So. so how did it go from being a fan? You know, you said that you, you moved into sort of watching Bispin um, uh, in, in tough and things like that. How did it go from being something that was growing into a passion to being something that could be a job? Um, I suppose I've got to thank the Olympics for this because my my background's music radio. That's how I started. I, I, well, I say music radio. I started as a as, as a bedroom DJ making radio shows in, in my bedroom and sending them off to radio stations and getting nowhere. Into then doing mobile discos, into bars and clubs, DJing this is, and then obviously as I was talking about before, Bisping was on that club scene, and I, I ended up on that club scene. I ended up becoming resident at Gatecrasher when I was about twenty one, twenty two. So that's where I was going. But I always wanted to be a radio presenter, and I always wanted to be like Chris Evans. So I managed to get myself into a situation where I got on my local radio station and moved through the schedule and became the breakfast presenter. And I wanted to get onto Radio 1. And that's where I ended up being. But when I was at Radio 1, I was in my late 20s. And it was around the time that they were starting to bring the age demographic of listenership down. And there was a bit of a change. Mm -hmm. Moyles was on his way out. Vernon was on his way out. There was a few other people that were going the other way. And And I was in a lucky situation because it was around 2012 when that happened. And the, the boss at the time came up to me and said, listen, all the ambitions that you want from this station are probably not going to be fulfilled because we are going to be looking at 22, 23, 24-year-old presenters. You're touching 30 now. Doesn't sound good, does it, to be fair? But, you know, we're, 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 we're gonna, we'll keep you for an extra year. But within that year, if you yeah. find something that you want to go and do, we will not stand in your way. We'll let you crack on, which I thought was cool, actually, because that never happens in this game. So... um at the, around about the start of 2012, an email came around um, about the Olympics and looking for presenters and things like that. And I thought, do you know something? I've always wanted to present sport, but I've always thought that it would be too easy. Do you know, like when like music radio felt like a job because I had to work at it. Whereas sitting in the pub talking to your mates about football, you know, boxing, all different. That doesn't seem like a job. And I'm sure it doesn't seem like that no. to anybody that is listening to this. It's not a proper job. So when that opportunity came up, I thought, do you know something? Let's give it a go. It's the Olympic Games. I'm probably never going to get an opportunity to work on the Olympic Games again. So I went and did it. So I went for a few uh, positions and I ended up working for Locog, who was doing all the inside stadium presentation for for the Olympics. Um, And I got assigned to the XL, which I asked for because the boxing was there. But then I ended up doing judo, table tennis, weightlifting it was mad it was mad like learning all the chinese names for for the table tennis it was crazy mate so i did all that for the for the duration of the olympics and obviously it's the olympics where anthony joshua becomes the olympic gold medalist uh, uh nicola adams and all, all that it was fantastic just a fantastic experience and when it finished at the time i had an agent and i just said to him that's it i'm not going I when i'm going on holiday now when i come back um i would what i want to be in a position where i can have conversations with sports radio broadcasters so off the back of that, I came back off holiday um, and Absolute Radio wanted to speak to me. So I went to speak to them and then I started literally that Saturday for the football season. I did rock and roll football with Ian Wright for a year. So I left Radio 1 at that point, left music radio, I suppose, behind, went into working um, 
with Absolute Radio. And then within a year, uh, I'd made the move to to TalkSport and started doing bits of TalkSport. But it was all football at the start. And from the inside of the building, obviously, I could see that there was a glaring omission that they didn't cover any boxing. So I was constantly knocking on the door. Can we do this? Can we do this? Can we try and do this? Can we try and do this? Just constantly falling on deaf ears. And I got fed up then. Uh, and then I was lucky enough to meet a certain guy called Nick Pete and we set up Fight Disciples <laughs> and uh, away we went, man. We we set up our own thing and then Fight Disciples kind of very similar, I suppose, to to you gentlemen who are doing this purely out of passion, just wanting to get things off. Yeah. I speak about the things that you absolutely love. That's, that was our entire aim at the start. It was, it was never a, a thing of we're going to do this to achieve this. It was a case of let's just go on Beals, that pub kind of chat about fight sports, two things that we love, MMA and, and, and boxing. And then that kind of pricked the ears up of major broadcasters who then went, uh, you've been knocking on my door now for the last two years. <laughs> I see, I can see what you're actually doing. Do you fancy coming and doing that over here? And then obviously then the move talks, but then put me across the boxing stuff. And then about two years, maybe even less than that, BT approach to see if we could do something with their MMA coverage and, that's kind of where we sit right now, mate. Fantastic. You you talked about doing the rock and roll football with with Ian Wright. Had you had experiences working with people of that kind of like high level at the time? Like, I mean, Ian Wright is someone that we, we all know. If you follow football, even if you don't follow football, you probably know of Ian Wright and enjoy Ian Wright. I mean, he's always my favourite pundit when the England games are on. Yeah, he always yeah. like spoke like a real fan, you know. Did you did you have experience with people of that kind of caliber up until that point, or were you a bit like, oh fucking hell, I'm about to do something for right? This is this is like, I know maybe as a Blackburn lad, not necessarily one of your heroes. You probably weren't an Arsenal nice. fan or anything, but still, it's still a pretty legend, big yeah. deal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think from a core presenter point of view, no is the answer. I mean, I, I, I was lucky that I've been at Radio One for a period of time there, and there was some decent, what I would class as decent. <clears throat> Uh, presenters that were obviously on TV at the time, yeah. I suppose that I could learn off and, and work alongside. Um, and in in the in the midst of all that, obviously, quite a lot of people from the music world, pop stars, were coming in left, right, and centre. And every now and again, they would pop up to co-present a, 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 a radio program and what have you. But no, I suppose for, for the for a first time, actual this is an official you and him doing the program. No, I think right, yeah, you. you I've never thought about that actually, Blake. Yeah, right, it was probably the first one that it was yeah. like. Go on then, get cracking. <laughs> and, and but maybe that's go. a good thing. Maybe because yeah. had you thought about it too much, maybe it would have thrown yeah, you off a little bit. Maybe it was. A, were you more just probably thinking about this? Is, this is the first, maybe like the first step in the direction you want to go in terms of the the sports stuff post the Olympics and all that. You'd made your mind up. You want to go and do that. So were you more focusing on maybe the job at hand rather than who you were doing it with? Yeah, I think I was because I was <clears throat> again. I'd in my head, I knew that I was starting from scratch again because in music yeah. radio, I'd done, I'd done everything that I wanted to do and achieved everything that I wanted to achieve to a certain extent. And I think a lot of people maybe going into that might have thought, well, I'm at this level in, in music radio, so I should come in at this level in sports radio. And it's not the case at all, man, because it's 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 yeah. totally different. It's speech-driven radio, whereas I was used to, you know, music being in the middle of after stuff that I was doing. So... Again, it's a totally different discipline, totally different skill. And I think my mindset right at the start, I don't know where it came from, but my mindset right at the start was you're starting again. So I think it was yeah. a case of concentrate on the job rather but, than... But do you think you started again with, with with a confidence that you'd got from DJing at Gatecrasher and, yeah. and um, you know, working on, on Radio 1? Yeah, I, you know, without sounding like a knobhead. I had a decent, <laughs> I, I, I had a decent trophy cabinet at that time yeah. for actual broadcasting. Yeah. So I, I knew I could back up my BS. So even even though I knew that it, it, listen, people buy people at the end of the day. If you, if you come in, if you come into an industry and you're you know swaggering around, wafting your cock about, and everybody thinks, who the fuck is this knobhead? Right? You're not going to get anywhere. There, there has to be a bit of humble pie that has to be yep. eaten. End of the day, this now's finished. You're starting here. You're right at the start of this. I always believed that I could do it. And I always believed that I could get to the levels that I wanted to get to, mm-hmm. but it was always going to take time. And listen, man, if you're doing a program with Ian Wright, as, as you just pointed out there, Blake, yeah. it's Ian Wright. 
he was yeah. he he'd, yeah. he'd already been broadcasting for a period of time. Major no match of the day, major television programs he was already doing. He was sound, wanted to help me. I'm just going to sit, listen, take, soak it all in, and try and stick it out uh, on that broadcast format. You've you've spoke about boxing and MMA, and they, I mean. For me, they're in the same conversation, but I know whenever I mention boxing on here, like Blake, you're not a, 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 as big a boxing fan as me, really, are you? It's obviously, nah, we, no, we, like, we I'll, talk I'll more pay it. Yeah, I'll pay attention if there's a really big, you know, Joshua Fury. But no, I just I I find the the actual fights themselves. I just find after being hooked on MMA for so long, I find boxing a bit one dimensional. And I know that that boxing, uh, the the level of of striking from a punching point of view in boxing is far superior to MMA, which is why it's ridiculous when you talk about things like, for example, Engano Fury stuff like that. Just is is ridiculous to me because there's just no point. But when it comes to just from a purely sporting perspective, the fact that you don't know where the attack's going to come from is it going to be an elbow, a knee, a kick, a punch, yeah. a takedown? grappling exchanges like i just feel like there's so much more to wrap your head around and to get excited about and the stylistic clashes are never just oh a brawler versus a technician it's no this guy's going to do something completely different you know khabib and connor they want to do completely different things and you know that that to me is what is so intriguing about it sorry i've gone off on a tangent but what are you uh, trying all to say i was going to say was like aside from the combat side of it uh adam tell me a little bit about the differences you see between MMA and boxing as businesses. Oh, mate, this is going to be the rest of your podcast now. I'm just going to rant. Um, do you know something to, to what Blake just said there? I kind of, I agree with that. I think there's more now wow moments in, in when you watch yeah. MMA because there's so many on it. There's so many different ways that you could be taken aback yeah. because like, you know, with all like for an obvious one, if you if you go back to UFC London and you have the fight with Kashuera and Molly McCann, that fight's ambling along and Molly is on the verge of maybe losing that in the third round. Then all of a sudden, this spinning elbow comes from nowhere, and you're just like, "What? You're crazy!" Yeah. Things like things like that, I think, are more prominent uh, in MMA. You are right, but Stu, from a from a business point of view, Jesus, mate. Um, now listen, they are they're two completely different sports. Boxing's a lot older, so therefore there's a lot more fingers in this pie, which is kind of diluted where this sport should be at. MMA, in particular the UFC, are showing how good fight sports can be. When you have one singer, one song, you have one belt in each division, and then you have a ranking system of which then, to the majority of the time, your fights and your matchmaking is then depicted. You do not get this in boxing. And that's the most frustrating thing from my point of view. You've got too many belts. You've got, obviously, the four men. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
edgy belts, which would class anybody as being undisputed. Then you've got a lot of other secondary pieces of nonsense that come uh, people's way, which just confuse audience. And this is why we're seeing in younger demographics now, a lot more of those younger demographics gravitating towards MMA and the UFC in particular than boxing. You speak to kids these days, and I've just been speaking about like the KSI movement, I suppose, aren't I? Um, but 14, 15, 16-year-old lads don't want to engage with me about boxing. They don't want to talk to me about it because it's like, crap, mate. Nobody fights anybody. It's all talk. Best don't fight the best. Who's the champion? I've no idea who the champion is. He's got a belt. He's got a belt. He's got a belt. Which one's worth more? And all this type of conversation keeps coming my way. But then when I talk to him about UFC, they're going, oh, mate, yeah, I'm all in on that. I'm absolutely yeah. all in on that. And and they'll also go all in on this YouTube stuff that I'm talking about. And I'm like, Right. Okay. And you've got, I think from a person that covers it on a day by day, week by week basis, I've got to be aware of where that young demographics attention is going. It's 100% going to moments that are one easy to understand, which is the UFC model. It's so easy to understand. You can explain it like that to people, even down to the aspect of how you score a fight. Cause this winds me up so much in boxing. There's no other sport I can think of where two people can enter a ring, right? It go the full distance of of 12 rounds and there not be a unified criteria in the sport of boxing for people to be working towards to score that fight. So at the end of the 12 rounds, we can all be sat here going, oh, it comes down to what you like, I suppose, isn't it? What? It's not fucking knitting. No, it's not. (laughs) It comes down... To clean effective work, surely. Who's punched who in the face or the body or in the scoring areas more cleanly over a 12-round period than the other dude? Surely it comes down to that. Yeah, but he's been going forward, right? But he's been going backwards and jabbing his bloody head off. Yeah, but he went forward. That's like in football saying the team that has the most amount of possession wins. No, the team who puts the ball in the back of the net wins. That That's the game. So it becomes incredibly frustrating, whereas in MMA, you've got, unified scoring criteria and don't get me wrong we might not agree with it but at least it's there in black and white we can all sit there and go well the problem is though like but the problem is that like if there was a unified like criteria in boxing would anyone bloody read it because it seems like in mma hardly anyone's read it like well i give props all the time to 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 sean sheehan over a severe mma for the work that he does and the little twist. It's very easy to, to go and find this stuff, to read it. I've listened to you guys on the Fight Disciples as well. You're very good at talking about the judging and the scoring criteria and how, and again, to, to quote Sean Sean, it's a, it's a, a, what do you say? A science of understanding, not That's a it. science of agreement. And that is the thing. So we, we can score fights differently, whether it's Josh Emmett and Cater or, or whoever else that, that, you know, gone from my mind, but you can score it differently but still understand how someone got to that place. Boxing, as you say, there's... It's the Wild West. There's not, it's just... The, the, and, and the... I mean, I'm, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but surely the scope for bribery and dodgy decisions... Of course. ...is there in boxing because it, you can just say, well, I like this, and that's why I scored it that way. And also, thank you for the 100 ground that's now in my back pocket. Mate, it leaves itself wide open. For corruption, and whenever you speak to anybody about this at the at the, at the higher echelons, they all just look at you as they've got. Yeah, this is boxing. This is this is what we do. Yeah, but surely you want to make the sport better because you can see audience walking over there. They're going <laughs> over there, mate. Surely you want to keep those people or that new generation of people in this sport because in five, ten years time, your pockets are going to be a lot thinner. Because there's not, as a promoter, you're going to be losing out on all this audience because of this crap matchmaking, this this sport that people can't fully understand as to who the champion is, and they don't know how to score the fight because there is no scoring system. You're all just making it up as you're going along. And do you yeah. think the events as a whole, I mean, it, for me, like, growing up going to boxing events, I'll be honest, I'd probably watch the top two fights, maybe the top yeah. three. UFC, I'm in there at, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon if it's in London, and I want to watch everything i can't wait for that moment before the main card when the who blares out and you get the montages i love it like it's got the a best lot of, moment, sort of showmanship of like the of, of wrestling but it's all put together i think that is the thing as as a boxing fan that's become more obsessed with mma mm. it's going to them events and seeing how it's done it's just so much better again it comes down to matchmaking doesn't it you know um in in boxing you get these hot prospects that are coming through and kids off the Olympic Games, for example, who are, who are sensational boxers. And then they're fighting a Latvian taxi driver. 
in a in, in, in a fight on uh, on a card on a twelve fight card, and you're thinking to yourself, this is not competitive at all. Why do I want to go and see the early parts of that person's career when I can just go to a restaurant, be in the boozer, and as you've just said, I'll come out for the core men and men event by the back end of the night. And sadly, more and more boxing cards are looking like that. It's all built. You have one main event, and you pray that that main event's competitive. The majority of the times, they're not really. It's just maybe someone's got a name that can pull profile in and what have you. And then the rest of the card, you're looking down the card and you think to yourself, this is a hard sell, man. This is a flog. Whereas, and, and I know that we're champion uh, the UFC here, but look at the PFL's card this Friday. I know, I oh, know it's the yeah. I know it's the night of champions. Yeah. But if you, if you look at that, yeah, they've got title fight after title fight after title fight. Great. But even on the fights that are not classed as title fights, you've got Marlon Marais on there taking on Shaman Marais, and you're thinking, shit, that bad. Jeremy Stevens is in an half decent fight. There, the court, the Chief is making a. A PFL debut, and you're thinking the matchmaking here, like you've just said, that you, if you bought a ticket for that, you're getting you're getting your value for money yeah. because you're getting ten fights at least. You're sitting yeah. there from start to finish, and you're going, you it, it's you're worried about going to the bar because you're going to miss something. Yeah. Whereas here, what is in boxing, you're like going, go on then, we'll skip this one, shall we? Yeah. I mean, just to, to echo that, to, to kind of reinforce that as well, that Marias fight was meant to be Shane Burgos as well. I know. How mad would that have been? I mean, I know he that obviously fell through, but as you say, top to bottom, it's, it's a phenomenal card, isn't it, this Friday? Yeah, mate. And I'm I'm so glad um, that something else other than the UFC, because we always, every, I think anybody that covers MMA yeah. is going, oh, UFC is the Champions League of this, that and the other. But there is some fantastic other MMA that is out there. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what Cage Warrior is doing. Okay, oh, yeah, it's, matchmaking it's on, over there, incredible, sensational, sensational matchmaking. Okay, yeah, it isn't UFC, but this is the feeder league to the UFC. So if you're if you're a proper fan and you're really yeah. into it, this is absolutely where you should your attention should be because this is where the next generation of fighter is coming from. I think on on a par with um, the UFC on certain nights, they're not fully there yet. But I think the PFL have made leaps and bounds over the two three years yeah. that they've been going and. Hopefully this weekend it'll be it'll be a celebration of not only some fantastic fights, but just from a purely greedy point of view, a celebration of some good British mixed martial arts as well. And fingers crossed we can get some get some championship belts for some well deserved fighters on there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good luck to uh, to Stevie Ray and Brendan Lochnane. I mean, this might go out post this Friday, but uh, but yeah, hopefully they've done they've done really well. Uh, I want to ask you a question that I asked uh, your mate Nick Pete when he was on the show, and it's. It's it's less of a question and more just me being jealous of you, if, if I'm honest, because uh, the, how are you pinching yourself when you're, you're in a job that I think I, I acting's the best job in the world to me. I, I wouldn't give it up for anything. I love it. But when I see you and Nick with the Bispings or the Hardys of the world getting flown out to New York Vegas, Abu Dhabi. I'm sure. I'm assuming it's you know first class expenses paid. Never. And you know, yeah, all right. Uh, he says, yeah, we we go off off out off camera. We'll talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I'm you know that and hanging out in the fighter hotels with these fighters, you're getting the best seats in the house for free, and then you get a paycheck at the end of it because you go and talk to each other whilst having a few drinks by the pool about what happened last night. I'm looking at that and I'm going. God, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't mind a bit of that. That looks, that looks pretty good. And I would have thought that everyone watching this, everyone listening to it, is feeling the same way. Do you still have to pinch yourself? Does it feel like, I mean, you said it didn't feel like a job earlier, but like there must be some aspect, aspects of it that we don't understand that are like work or our heart, a bit of a slog. But how, how does it feel to be like, oh, where are we off to this week, guys? Oh, MSG, thanks very much. <laughs> now you've put it like that, yeah, <laughs> but, but if it, the, the, don't get me wrong, man. There's moments along this journey that I've looked at Nick or I've, I've been with people that uh, that I work with, and I've gone, "This is mad. This is what is happening right now is mad." Um, but from from the work aspect of it, from you know going to events, interviewing fighters. I, I don't think of it like that. I really don't. And again, this might sound really egotistical or whatever. In my head, I've always been here. I've always been yeah. doing this. I don't know whether that is from being 
in music entertainment and being at a decent level of interviewing pop stars or whatever it may be. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I've always felt I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. But to your point, when you are, let's say, in in Las Vegas, right? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a tale. So while well, you're in Las Vegas, I think I think this might have been a Connor fight week, actually. It might have been the Connor Cowboy fight week. So we're covering Connor Cowboy for for BT. And we're out there, we're doing the interviews. And don't get me wrong, being around Connor and the madness of Connor is in, in, in itself is just crazy. And, is and that different to all the others when it's yeah, a Connor absolutely. fight? Yeah, 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 yeah. Completely different to, to anything. I'm just trying to think if there's anything. No, just Connor's just one on his own and being around it is madness. And to be fair, he's cool, man. I've, I've always, you know, touch wood, always got on quite well. So you go through the process of getting the Connor interview and you do, and his opponent and all the, everybody on the card and what have you. So you have a great day doing that. And I'm, I'm in, like a pig in shit with that. I absolutely love that speaking to people that I admire and having co- genuine conversations about them. Love it. Can't get enough of it. So you have a day like that. And then in the evening, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this happened, but in the evening, um, I was in one of the hotels in, in Las Vegas and George Masvidal just walked past right? He goes, hey, how you doing? Obviously, we interviewed him before, so he's obviously recognised face by face. He comes over here, he's having a chat, blah, 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 blah. He goes, what are you guys doing now? Now, man, uh, we're just getting ready to go out for dinner. He goes, don't go out for dinner. Come out with me. (laughs) 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 Next thing, next thing I know, we are at the launch of, uh, here it is actually, as if by random, there it is, there's a bottle of what he gave me. Let me get rid of this in the background. So this is Masvidal's tequila. I took it signed by him, as you can see. There's a little worm Amazing. in the bottom of it. You might be able to see that. So that's his tequila. That's from this particular night. And uh, we literally went to this launch party of that, which he had a suite in some hotel in, in Las Vegas. We were there all night, drinking for nothing, out on the lash with George, casino, casino, you name it, anything in Vegas, it happened. And then the day after, he brought a lot of these around for the guys from BT Sports. He goes, there you go, fellas. Thanks for last night. Good crack. So, and uh, obviously I managed to get it home in one piece and uh, make it part of the backdrop. So uh, there is a little bit of resquero. But yeah, going back to what you were saying two minutes ago, moments like that, that you're sat in a hotel suite and you're looking around and Steve-O from Jackass rocks up and all these types of random dudes and you're thinking, I'm just some kid off a council estate from Blackburn, man. This is fucking absolutely crackers. <laughs> but still thoroughly enjoyable at the same time. And aside from the sort of cracker stuff like that, like in, you know, hand on heart, what's been your proudest moment? Covering MMA or just in general? In, uh, yeah, in general. Uh, do you know something? It, it'll probably winning our first award with Fight Disciples. Probably, yeah. Because I'd I'd won stuff previously, but I'd always won it with obviously big companies and working for big companies and working for, with big production teams and and various things like that. So although my name was on the tin, I was a part of the cog. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. this was just purely us. This was just purely us, yeah. and it was also talking about something that I gave a shit about. <laughs> so to, you're talking about to, the British podcast of all yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in the room that night. I wasn't. I... Oh, uh, I was in the room that night because I was there with, with our, our friend and, and MMA super fan, Scroobius Pip, and, uh, who's yes. obviously a, 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 a podcaster, and we was there. And, so, uh, and yeah, and you won. So, so the, the first night we won, it clashed with uh, Joshua Klitschko at Wembley. That's and right. I, was, oh. I, I, I was commentating on Joshua Klitschko. So I, I, was, I was doing that for the radio. Nick went to the ceremony, drank the bar dry. We uh, our producer Mike. There's only three of us in the company, and uh, I just got a text. Um, I think it was just entering the eleventh round when Joshua finally finishes Klitschko. Just entering the eleventh round, I just got a text, and it was as a picture of him pissed out of his head, holding the trophy. And I went, "Oh my days, <laughs> tremendous, <laughs> tremendous." Um, so yeah, I would probably say that because you guys know what it's like when you're creating something for yourself and it's purely yeah. on you. Everything's coming out your own head. And then it's recognised by, you know, the industry that you're actually making stuff for. Yeah. So I'll probably say that is probably the proudest. 
Oh, that's lovely. Um, what is your favourite moment as an MMA journalist? And I'm, I'm, I'm talking, you know, the, those those fun moments. Like, for example, I mean, I, I, I saw you did that. Um, I can't remember what it was called. There was an Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of like show oh, where you, you interviewed mate. Khabib and then GSP came out mate. and did like a rear naked choke on him for a laugh. And then you were just chatting with GSP and Khabib. I mean, that's good. <laughs> if that's not it, it's got to be up there, surely. <laughs> That was the maddest day ever. So that was that happened in Birmingham and it was the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sports Festival. Uh, and both guys were booked individually. So earlier on in the day, I'd, it was like a, a live theatre audience thing. So I was booked to do a live theatre audience, I think 1,500 tickets per room. And George was on first thing that day. So George St. Pierre uh, had already been on stage with me earlier on in the day and we'd had a wicked time. I'd, I've interviewed George a few times and he's a top, top guy. And... He was due to go. And I said, listen, um, Habib's on. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian-developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market two hours on the same stage would you stick around for it he goes oh man you know he's like they're like chilled and stuff because i've got to do some autographs and all this type of thing and some pictures and what have you if i'm still here i'll definitely be here right okay cool and legit Habib's on stage and I ain't spoken to George again since. So Habib was on stage and we we're doing the interview, doing the interview. And I could see from behind Habib's head, I could see George St. Pierre stood at the side of the stage. And I'm like, this is actually going to happen. This is madness. And then the next thing you know, George just went, yeah, no, what, what do you reckon? I just went, and I signaled to him, I went, just come on. He comes on and puts a rear naked joke on Habib. And the next <laughs> thing you know, the whole room just goes wild. Uh, and, they stayed there for a bit. Habib was fantastic because he started speaking about Joyce St. Pierre being uh, Habib, Habib's father's favourite fighter. And they just had... Oh, man. They just had a moment, man. And I, I literally just put my microphone down, sat there in my seat and just watched these two go back and forth, chatting with each other. George left. And then I could see that it meant something properly to Habib because he was just sat there beaming from ear to ear for the rest of the rest of the conversation. But yeah, what a moment to have those two on stage at the same time and one of them to put a, the other in a rear naked choke. So and they faced off. They faced off. So oh. at the end of their little bit, yeah. I just said, listen, man, come on, we've got to do it. The UFC have never done it. So let's do it for these people, these people who've paid a ticket today. So they both went uh, hands up, face to face, nose to nose, sensational. Oh. Mate, that's that's incredible. I mean, you seem to have such a great rapport with Khabib. You did the whole playing pool with him and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you seem to have a good... good... <laughs> <laughs> well, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's what Charles Sonnen says. That, that's it, that's it. How did he no, cheat? <laughs> mate, he just... Right. Everybody knows that when you are playing pool, billiards, as we were referring to it on that yeah. particular day, you hit the cue ball, Right. He's having none of that. He's just walking up to the black and just going bang straight into the back of the pocket. <laughs> Mate, he was just whacking any ball he wanted. And I'm thinking to myself, right, he's one of the hardest dudes on the planet. Yeah? <laughs> do, 
do I stop him or do I just carry on with this interview? And I just carried on with it. But it was frustrating. It was blowing my mind. I'm thinking, I'm getting beat here. This dude thinks he's beating me, but he's absolutely not. This is wrong. Anyway, afterwards, um, um, it was another, it was another card in uh, at a different show where he was looking after, I think he was looking after Uma Nemegamedov on a card or something. And I, and I collared him backstage. I said, oi. And it's on camera. So someone's got it on camera somewhere. I said, oh, you, right. And he's laughing his head off at me. And I said, you owe me a rematch because you know you cheated. He goes, I did not cheat, brother. I did not cheat. <laughs> I said, you cheated <laughs> in this game. So I'm trying to explain to him the rules. And he goes, no, 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 no. They're not Dagestan rules. They're not Dagestan rules. <laughs> and I, went, I wasn't in Dagestan when we were playing, right? You were playing by my rules. Anyway, have you seen him play basketball? He doesn't even he doesn't even dribble. He just plays it like rugby. He's an absolute <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> so, oh man. Yeah. I've I, allegedly I've got to get my win record up before I'm allowed my rematch on the billiards table. So that's where I'm at at the moment, mate. I'm still searching for that rematch. Oh, wonderful. Well, look, we're we're really we're, go on, Stu, what are you gonna say? I was just going to say, obviously, we, we, you know, we, we're aware of time. Uh, and, and you crack, and, you're all right, boys. You're all right. You crack on. Where are we? Yeah, yeah. Well, if we're all right, we'll, we'll take you up on that offer. And I want to is Khabib your favourite fighter to interview then? Or have you got someone that's like, oh, I love interviewing this guy? Or maybe we'll take Khabib out of the equation because you've spoken about him and we know that you have a great rapport with Khabib, which is in itself just, just an amazing thing. A, to watch as, as a fan of both you and Khabib, but B, like, must be just mental for you to be like, the GOAT, the, the, yeah, the guy. Yeah. I mean, I know there's, there's talk of John Jones and all that stuff and there's arguments to be made, but to a lot of people, Khabib is the GOAT and you've got, you have banter with him. And, and that, which he's, is great. he's a funny That's guy. Good. He's a funny yeah. guy, you know. I think, I think the but, secret... The secret with any of interview interviewing anyone, and this is not just necessarily fighters or 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 people from the world of MMA. Be asked about them. There's two. I, I see so many people interviewing people, and it's like they want to impress the person. Do you know what I mean? That's not what you're there for. You're there to get the showcase them. People aren't tuning in for me. They're not. They're, nobody's typing in. Adam Catterall on 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 YouTube, the tune that's tapping in, Habib Nurmagomedov or the Conor McGregor or whatever it may be. If I'm the guy that so happens to be interviewing them, great. Because from my point of view, I love being in that situation. But two, my my whole thing is about trying to make them look as great to the casual audience as I know they are as the as the hardcore fan. And the key to that, I think, is listening. Not so many people when they're interviewing, they don't listen. They, they come in with a, a list of Questions go right, and I'm going to go down this list. Well, hang on a minute. In the answer that he's just given you, he's giving you about five different more questions there, man. Listen, have a conversation with people. Like we're having a conversation now. You're listening to what I'm saying, and off the back of that, you're going right. What about this? I'm listening to you, and they're going, oh, "What about this?" That's all I do. It's not hard. It's a conversation, isn't it? Have a conversation with these people, the, the normal human beings. Oh, well, I don't I know what question you asked. I've got a list in front of me. I don't want to read one off of there now. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, what I did want to do with you before you went was uh, ask you. I'm gonna. I've got a selection of fights that may or may not happen next year, and I want your expert opinion as to yeah. whether you think they will happen. Lovely, and whether they will, and how they will go. And I'm going to start with an easy one because I think we all oh, know. Oh, it hang will on, happen. you want me to, you want me to uh, give you the prediction for the fight as well? Do you? Yeah. Oh, is that against your kind of journalistic <laughs> I don't uh, give a shit, man. Let's roll, baby. People, <laughs> let's, let's go. <laughs> so I want to know if you think the fight will happen and how it goes down. First one's an easy one. I think we're all going to know it's going to happen. Edward Zuzman 2. Now, I'd like to know, is it going to happen in the UK? Three. Three, sorry. Three is what I meant. That's what I yeah. meant. I know they fought previously in like, what was it, like 2015 or, yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I know they did. Um, but uh, yeah, so Usman Edwards yes. for a third time. Yes. Probably in the UK, probably in a springtime. I think it's fair to say it will happen, but how's that going to go down? And yeah, just to confirm for us, is that happening? Is that happening in the UK? I'm told yes. Uh, and at the moment, the UFC are working on uh, a stadium, which would be great for fight fans because there's nothing more frustrating for UK fans uh, than getting stuck in that massive queue for 20,000 tickets that bots managed to get their hands yeah. on at the O2. We want a stadium, so therefore let's try and get 60, 70, 80,000 people in a stadium. Yeah. Dana wants a roof, so we'll see what happens. But yes, I 
to your question, yes, I fully believe that that will happen. I fully believe that will happen on UK soil, which will be sensational. Absolutely sensational. Now, Leon Edwards beat Kamara Usman on his worst day. On his yes. worst day. He was yes. getting his ass kicked second, third, and fourth round. Fifth round even, getting his ass kicked. That fight had gone, man. That fight had gone. Leon Edwards will not be that bad again. I I always said, always, always said, that Leon Edwards would win the first fight, but he'll lose the second fight. But I didn't envisage it to happen this way. I genuinely believe that Leon will beat him in the second fight. And he'll beat, he'll beat him on points, and it'll be a technical striking masterclass from Leon Edwards. Yeah. I genuinely, genuinely believe that. Could be completely wrong, but that's where my heart and head are at at the moment, that Edwards will defend that crown on British soil, and he'll do it via points over Kamaru. I feel a similar way, particularly after seeing how that first round went, because a lot of people forget about the altitude in that fight. Yeah. The altitude was kicking everyone's ass. It did it to Jose Aldo and a bunch of other fighters on that same card. The altitude was a problem for people. He went off too and quick, I, didn't he? Yeah, and I believe that, that uh, Usman trains in like Colorado or whatever, which has got that that high altitude and stuff. So that's, that's you know, he's used to that. Edwards is, you know, fucking... Birmingham, there's no, no altitude there. There's no fucking chance in hell. So, um, and he won that first round and yep. really well by implementing like the, even a bit of Usman's game with the takedown, stuff like that. So I agree with you. I, I think the, this fight, this third fight is going to be incredibly close. Yeah. But I, I think Leon can do it. I, re- I really, really do. Um, next fight. And Look Garnu you. Jones. You, you, you are in your element here now, are you? Oh, I love <laughs> it. This is it. I love it. <laughs> Also, I feel like I'm get I'm actually talking to someone because the fighters, the fighters don't know even when it's about them. Like you hear so many stories about fighters that were like, I didn't realise I was fighting for the belt until it was on. But people were blowing me up on text because it got announced over Instagram yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. the fighters don't even know. But you, Adam, I think you know <laughs> stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I'm trying what? to get the juice. Um, and Garnu Jones, does it happen in 2023? And how does that fight go if it happens? I'm going to say yes. I think, and this is a beautiful thing going back to what you were saying about boxing and MMA previously. We have got a situation in boxing where we've got two world, not two world champions, but two hot prospects that have agreed to fight each other, but they're having tune-ups before they have the actual main bout next year. There will be no tune-up here. Jones has been out for God knows how long. Francis has had his knee re-put together. There won't be a tune-up. It'll be straight in. Heavyweight championship, Francis Ngannou, John Jones. That's the fight that a lot of people are obviously thirsty for. So I I think it will happen. I think I'm trying to think of a timeline here for you. I'm gonna I'm gonna go around May for that fight nice. to happen. Yeah. Um and it's such a hard fight to predict because I don't know what Jones looks like at heavyweight, so I'm completely guessing uh, here. Yeah. If if Jones at heavyweight looks like anything like the 22, 23, 24-year-old Jones at light heavyweight, he has a whale of a time against uh, Francis Ngannou. Whale of a time. To the point where he might submit him or something. He might, yeah. he might, he might take him out like that uh, in the middle part of this fight. But again, I'm completely guessing because I don't know what, John Jones looks like at heavyweight. I know what Francis looks like at heavyweight. I've, I saw developments in Francis's game, yeah. especially against Cyril, even with two blown out knees. We know he's got knockout power, devastating knockout power. So I know what he's bringing to the table. But if Jones is anything like he was at light heavyweight in those early years, especially, um, John Jones will be the new heavyweight champion. Yeah, wow. Well, that'll be interesting. Be, I mean, it's always difficult predicting whether a Jones fight is going to happen, isn't it? Because it's all the outside the cage stuff as well that you have to uh, consider. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think everyone wants to see that fight because of some of the outside the cage stuff I and the drugs tests and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm not, I, I respect what Jones does as an athlete loads, even with the PED infractions. I, I still think he's one of the best to ever do it, but I would like to see Ngannou win that fight because of oh. all of the other stuff, you know, but, but I, as you say, I, I think the wrestling could be a huge yeah. factor. You know, I know Ngannou was able to wrestle Garn, but Jones is probably going to, as you say, very superior wrestling to anything else that maybe Ngannou's faced, other than maybe Stipe, but even then, I think he's probably a better wrestler than Stipe as well. 
I don't know. Yeah, and you, yeah, we're talking about testing, and, and obviously, time maybe he's going to get back in the in, in the testing pool in Yasada. What's next for Connor? What do you do with Conor McGregor if you're the UFC? <laughs> what would no, you like I've, I've, to see? Uh, if what I'd like to see is something that I can believe that he can win. That sounds bad, doesn't it? Because it's the UFC. No, but, uh, you... I, I agree with that as well. I, I, I think Tony Ferguson. It's the only, it's, I don't really want to see Tony fight much anymore, if I'm honest, after everything that's gone on. Yeah. But the one fight I think I'd be like, well, there's beef there and, and I don't know where Connor is anymore. And yeah, I think Tony I'm, I'm... Connors may be the only yeah. fight I'd be interested in. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying go and give him a, give, a gimme, an easy one. I'm yeah. saying give me a fight that I genuinely believe that Conor McGregor could win. He doesn't have to win it, but I need to go into it, into that week going, he could win this. Could he do it against Jorge Masvidal? Could, could that be a, a fight, something like that? Tony Ferguson, I agree with what you're saying there. I, you know, I would probably still, yeah. I, I agree. That level of fight is probably what I would like to see. I've seen Michael Chandler chirping up this week saying that he wants him. At the moment, Chandler, with all due respect, is just too much for Conor McGregor right at, yeah. right at this moment in time. But again, we don't know what weight Conor's going to come in at. He, looks big, say, we, he uh, might get the winner of, uh, of Francis and John Jones, the size of him. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big boy right now, man. He's, enjoy, he's, he's enjoying them boy. weights. <laughs> um all right, uh, does Mohamed Mikhaev get a title shot in 2023? I know he's got a string a few together, but can Mohamed Mikhaev get a title shot in 2023? I think the title shot comes at the start of 2024. If, does that mean he misses out on the youngest champion ever stat? Uh, well, I think it I'm not sure. Uh, March 2024, he's got till. Oh, he's got, so he has got that extra couple of months in 2024. That'd be interesting. Because yes. I think he can do it. I really I think do. he can do it. I think he's incredibly talented. In obviously, now that he's ranked, it might be a little bit easier to start to get those guys yeah. uh, between ten and fifteen, five and ten, uh, to match up with him. Um, he's been super impressive so, so far, man. I know he's he's so hard on himself, but he's been super impressive to have three fights this year, three wins, two of them coming via stoppage, and one where he's just pulled it out of the fire in the last minute, yeah. and he's and he's he's put a signature move on a geezer that is a, a, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. That is that is some going for a kid of his age bursting onto the scene. So again, it's going to come down to matchups. He, he's, he needs to stay injury-free. Um, he's always wanting to fight, so he's always going to be available. He's always in top shape. So if he can get three in in the next 12 months, I think then he would it would be absolutely shooing for him to have a title fight at the start of 2024. There's a lot of ifs there, though, isn't there? Because there's some killers in this flyweight division, man. Yeah, there, there are. And as you say, he's got to get the right matchups. And I think a lot of people looking over their shoulder at Makayev are thinking, oh, "I'd rather not." <laughs> Mate, nobody's. Yeah, exactly. You're not going to do that for free, are you? Some, you're going to no. if the if the UFC believe in him and, 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 and his abilities, then they're going to have to pay the opponent in in order to be yeah. able to take that and, and fight down the ranking. Yeah. Okay, I've got one last question for you. What's left on your career bucket list? Oof. Wow. Do you know something? I kind of I kind of like going back to what we were talking about two minutes ago about doing those live shows in front of live theatre audiences with people like Habib and George St. Pierre and stuff like that. I did get I have got a taste for that. So I am at the moment looking into seeing if we can do something, you know, next year a bit more extended, whether it be four or six dates with an MMA star that people are actually asked about that, uh, that can come and tell a tale. Um, so yeah. Is this think... as part as fight disciples? You fight disciples. Yeah, I think you so. want to do that? Yeah, or is I, that I, I, yeah. Mate, we're spitballing now, aren't we? Uh, you know, we're yeah. having a production meeting right great. now, boys. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> yeah I'm just, I think that's, I really get off on that, you know, being yeah. obviously in the one-on-one -on -one environment. I absolutely love it. But then to, there's, there's something different and beautiful about the dynamic of actually hearing and feeling that live reaction to what is happening on, yeah. on, on the stage. And I'm sure you get this all the time, like with, with acting and stuff like that, actually being in that environment where you can see the reaction and feel the reaction. And yeah. I think that the, I think there's something in that. I think especially MMA fans, they, they would come out 
for a Habib or a John Jones or a George St. Pierre, yeah. or, you know, those types of characters to come and tell their tale. Even Bispin. I have to say his name, otherwise <laughs> otherwise he'll be at me if I didn't mention his name. <laughs> Adam, it's been a real joy. Honestly, mate, thank you so much for giving up your time and coming on and uh, and having a chat with us. Thanks for having me on, gents. Um, pleasure uh, to speak to you, as always. I've no doubt that I will see you at a show sometime soon. When, when, we, when we're going to do one abroad, boys? Because you know what I mean? I see I see you popping up on them London uh, yeah. cards. I know we that you're all busy, Paris, lads. Weren't we? we nearly went to Paris, we were, didn't we? We right. nearly went to Paris. We yeah. I, I can't remember what was going on, if it was work or whatever. That's the other thing. This is your job. You get <laughs> yeah. paid to go there. Yeah, Whereas we're well, like, this how one, can we work one, this around right, our then. jobs? Here's, here's one for you, right? Because it's well documented that the UFC are going to start shutting down those Apex shows and they're going to go back on the road a yeah. lot more. So fight nights are going to be in front of local audiences. I would anticipate then that quite a lot of those shows are going to come to Europe at some point. If they do a UFC Poland, right, and they've got Matthias Gamrot on that card, we're going, right? We've got to go. We've got to go. A little, right. little trip over to Gdansk or Warsaw or Krakow or something like that. They love it over there. They absolutely love the MMA. 60,000 in a stadium, mate. They'll go absolutely off. That's what we need to do. Love it. All right, so, sounds good, mate. We'll be there. Good Adam, it's a pleasure. You're a legend. Thanks so much. Best of luck with everything else you you, you keep doing. You seem to you, have man. your fingers in so many pies. The talk sport, the zone, the the, the fight disciples, BT Sport. It's, it's Jack all of all trades, master of none. Done. I think you're looking for there, Blake. Jack of all trades, uh, master of none. Uh, I don't know. I think you're mastering them pretty well at we're the moment, go. mate. So, thanks, yeah. man. Well, thanks, well guys. Done. And thank you so much. 